Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake Sir Alex. and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake, and I am joined today for a throwback episode. Just me and Dan. Dan, how's it going? Just the two of us. <laughs> little Valentine's Day special for y'all out there. Oh, absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day. Forge those keys with those you love. People listening to this podcast will be like, it's not Valentine's Day. What are they talking about? <laughs> it's being recorded on Valentine's Day. There's so much love in this episode. That's why it's the community questions episode. Jake, did you know that our first podcast was published on... 427 2019 we're at almost a year of doing this that's pretty crazy 37 episodes this being number 38 no this is 37 well this is 37 oh it says we have 37 episodes i think this is like you know canon this will be the 37th we did that gotcha. one interruption episode when there was the uh, big right. the extra yeah. honorata and rules version 1.3 may 29th 2019 <laughs> classic classic yeah <laughs> so alex wanted to be here today but he is at a job interview so yeah get it get it just don't leave us behind you know yeah and so while we're talking about all this thank you to all of our patreon supporters you guys have been amazing like that has relieved such a burden off of me and jake from having to you know fully fund this ourselves with jake being a grad student me being a father of two um, it's really nice that uh, we've got you guys out there helping us out so that, you know, everything we do is just, you know, for you guys. And it's not really pulling any extra things from us, you know, financially, just, you know, time, time and effort, which we love giving back to you guys. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to everybody that's bought some merch, seen a lot of the uh, T-shirt orders going out, seen a lot of those popping up on the Discord when they arrive. They all look very nice. You all look very handsome and lovely in them. And uh, yeah, the mats are still out there too at Ink Gaming. If you haven't gotten a Sanctimonious playmat yet, uh, those are still out there and those are still pretty, pretty sweet as well. Cool. So thank you for all your support in the almost past year. And we've grown a lot. We've got a lot of people in the Discord. We've got a lot of people just all over the place. It's been a really amazing journey. So thank you all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, echo all of that. And I'm really excited about this episode this week because it's all about the community. Uh, we put out the call for community questions. So all we're going to do today is answer the questions y'all had for us. And I think it'll be a, a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's some good questions in here. Um, yeah, so I'm going to play favorites. Um, I'm going to start with Discord questions. I, this is going to shock everybody that I'm going to favor the Discord over all other medias. But um, we'll just go right down the list from the way they came in. I'm sorry I don't have your names on these. I just straight copied them over when you guys put them in. Uh, but let's start off with an easy one. What's your biggest ever misplay, Jake? Biggest ever misplay. You know, it probably comes back to uh, my top four game in uh, Collinsville, where I had to make a call about whether or not I thought my opponent would have the Restringus, Stringentus, and I opted to play out all of my two damage shadow cards that I had in hand uh, just just for efficiency. 
And then, of course, my opponent did have it, and it ended up costing me the game. So that was that was a pretty tough one. Um, yeah, one where I was pretty far out in front. I kind of yeah. thought you'd go with that one. I I figured that was that was a point. It was a big moment in time in your KeyForge career. Unfortunately, I don't have any big KeyForge moments. You know, like top fours, like Jake. So. I don't know. I've I've lost some dumb games where I've tried to do. <laughs> I think I've talked about them in the past. I knew I know one time I had a game wrapped up. All I had to do is pass the turn back over. But I went for this silly fancy play to try to burst my amber way up, and I think I like blew up the world or something when I had a soul snatcher out. Just something dumb like that where it gave it put my opponent in check and let them win the game. And it was just like that's so dumb. Um, other ones and maybe an actual chain bound. Uh, I took the master of mush growth. One of my. Uh, <clears throat> Martian Generosity Key Abduction, the Pentseed decks, and I just tried way too hard to get the combo off, and I like went one and three with it that night, or one and two, something like that. It was just bad, and like uh, I got punctuated, equilibriumed, and then just didn't give up on the dream. kept kept hoping the dream would come back, and then another game, uh, the person was playing a like super heavy capture deck. And I just held the combo, the Martian Generosity Key Abduction for too long and just chained myself to death. So those are probably my biggest ever misplays, the ones that really stick out in my mind. Um, but yeah, nothing at the level of, you know, top four for a Vault Tour. So, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's not where you want the misplay to happen. That's no, it definitely <laughs> isn't. No, I'm, I was trying to think back to my, the two primes I played in. And I actually, I don't think I really made any misplays in those. So that that was nice. I just got beat when I got beat. So. And it wasn't really anything I could have done on a lot of those matches. But yeah, uh, top three gaming snacks, Jake. You know, I'm not a huge snack food person. What I do really like is I go to our uh, Trader Joe's here. Not a sponsor of this podcast. Just a <laughs> quality grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, One dream. And I, I like to get the bags of salted almonds so like if i'm hanging around playing some crucible or playing some smash Bros, i'll just munch on salted almonds so that would probably be my number one gaming snack that and i don't know i don't know if i really have <laughs> other than i like you know i like protein nice. bars and stuff yeah, for tournaments. Yeah. like i'll pack a cliff bar or something like that too so those are my top two anyway yeah no that, I, i'm gonna go with pretty much the same stuff i usually buy like a little can of like mixed nuts or something if i'm going to a tournament it's just easy energy something you can munch on that doesn't like wreck your hands make them all dirty or anything a little salty just wipe them off you're fine um so i usually do like a little can of mixed nuts in my bag and then uh usually something like something like a starburst or something something like that kind of like a gummy candy a little bit that gives you a little juice so you're drinking a bunch of water during the day and you got that little bit of like flavored something kind of chewy kind of chew on a little bit it's like Starburst, high chews, those kinds of things. And then, yeah, like Jake said, usually like a bar, some kind of like protein bar or something just to keep the energy up through the day. So those are like the top three snacks I usually rock for my ventures into in real life Keyforge. I'm just going to add that uh, when I'm at tournaments that have had lunch breaks, I've found myself going to like sub sandwich shops, whether that's like a Subway or something else. Uh, it's quick. You know, it's probably a little bit better than like getting something really greasy for fast food. So I think that's a pretty good option, too, if you're if you're on a tight timeline to get back from lunch. Eat fresh. <laughs> uh, also not a sponsor. <laughs> Yet. 
after they hear that voice, how could they not sponsor us? Right, that's right. That's what they want. Look for me in the new national campaigns. Eat fresh and forge those keys. Um, so what's one of your favorite decks to play, and why do you keep going back to it, Jake? Most of my play at this point is at competitive events. Um, so just for that reason alone, I tend to skew more towards decks that I think are competitively viable even though i've got like box a box full of decks i'm like oh this will be so fun to play in like a casual setting i typically don't get to those as much so the deck i'll highlight as one i keep coming back to is my uh, uh darkens of biostep den it's the most blisteringly fast deck i've ever got to play i love drawing cards and uh, this one has ample, ample card draw between a couple of mothers, a howling den, it's got it's got a speed sigil, just all kinds of dumb, crazy card draw where you're typically drawing up to seven or eight cards per turn. Uh, and it just makes the game really fun both ways. So that that's probably my choice, all about that speed. Nice. I mean, I'm looking at my TCO tracker and Oppenheimer has my most games played at uh it's got 61 recorded on tco and then i've actually played that in a chain bound went 4-0 with it and took it to a prime and got ninth place the dreaded ninth place three and two just missed it and like the guy that edged me in the last game when i was three and one went on to win the prime so it was unfortunate um but yeah oppenheimer is definitely the one that i've played the most the other ones that pop up, Maven is another one that I have the most games with on TCO. It's second. And that was like one of the first Coda decks that I kind of dropped like $100 on and played a lot of it to a very middling record. It's super fast and I keep going back to it because it's like that first deck that I bought that was like super, felt super OP with just, I mean, it had a great Shadows House. Um, Relentless Whispering, Dust, Dust Imps was really fun. And then I, I probably the third deck I put in there is one of the like I think it was the fifth deck I ever got. And it's called Troll Oat. It doesn't have many TCO games, but I was actually when I first started playing, I was tracking games on a spreadsheet slash in the app. And I think I've had over a hundred games played with Troll Oat, and it's a silly wow. nature's call like Double Dust Pixie Choda Regrowth deck. It's got a Khalifi Dragon for Ben the Monkey out there. Um, it doesn't usually ever get played because the Brobner house doesn't really generate much amber. But yeah, it's got an evasion sigil. Um, yeah, it's just silly. Like you can you can hit a Wadi, a Witch of the Eye, with the Nature's Call, Dust Pixies, Chodas, and you can just. I mean, I've won a, I've won quite a few games with that deck on like turn five if you get the Untamed House early. And then yeah, That's the crazy. Shadows has a couple of miasmas to just kind of like prolong a couple turns because yeah it's just pure pure speed and it's a lot of fun that was the first deck that i opened that felt kind of powerful and i spent a lot of time playing that in the early days so yeah there's kind of my top three and then rider rum runner my prime deck i love that deck so that's crazy man i there's no way i have 100 plays on any of my decks i bet maybe 40 or 50 with nimrod and that's the most for sure yeah like looking at my list here i've got i've got six decks that are all at about 50 to 60 games and that's just tco and i know a lot of these i've played quite a few like irl games because they're kind of my obviously they're kind of my favorite decks if i played them that much on tco 
Um, but yeah, like those are the ones I keep going back to. I love I love Jenka, so I keep going back to my Jenka decks a lot. Ryder, Rum Runner, and Zia the Dispy are the two that I like to go to. And then Tristessa, my Martian Generosity, Key Abduction, Key Abduction, Brig deck. I've been trying that in the Worlds Collide meta to see if Worlds Collide meta has slowed down enough to make that one viable again. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Favorite other content creators? Oh, there's so many amazing content creators. I kind of want to expand this out beyond just Keyforge. Ooh. Because, so I've listened to a lot of uh, like board game podcasts as well. Sure. So if anybody's into that, uh, I've recently listened to this podcast called Board Game Barrage, which is like absolutely hilarious banter between three friends uh so very wrong about games is probably <laughs> in my opinion like the top notch analysis of like gaming design they have like really knowledgeable sort of pedigree of like you know when they talk about a board game like where it kind of sits and like the history of that mechanic or genre or whatever uh, it's an amazing cast i want to shout those out in addition to some of these great Keyforge folks, just because those are uh, podcasts I've sort of learned a lot from and tried to take from to incorporate into our show. Uh, so if you like board games, definitely highly recommend checking those out. Uh, as far as Keyforge goes, uh, I love Tabletop Royale. I think those guys are incredible and entertaining on their streams and YouTube channel, but also like some of the top players in the game results to back them up yeah absolutely nathan uh in particular is like always on twitter uh chatting up with me and other keyforge folks so really good people and then recently i've been listening to um a couple episodes of archon's corner and they have added grant titus on a couple of their more recent episodes and i highly recommend checking that out because that guy is a wealth of knowledge about the game uh, and really entertaining to to hear talk. So that's been really good lately. I, I mean, I know you're going to hit on a bunch of these other ones too. So I don't want to steal all of them. Yeah. So why don't, I'll, I'll uh, hand it off to you. Got to throw out a big shout out to my homie from the North, Blake. He's, he's got, God, he's got so much stuff going on right now. He's got Help from Future Self, his original podcast that he kind of kicked off. He's got his two YouTube series that he's doing right now, The Crucible and Coffees, where he plays a game in the morning post it up i've i think i'm undefeated against him in crucible and coffees i don't think he <laughs> beat me on one of those yet uh, we just did one the other day where i'm revisiting some coda decks that have got a little new like they have a chance in the world's collide meta and they're really fun to play um so he's got that and then he's got the crucible and cognac which he still hasn't let me be on yet come on man um but that's one where he actually plays one while sipping adult drinks in the evening with his guest and he actually do an interview while they're playing that's been really interesting. They've uh, he's had so I think he's had Logitarian Luke. He's had um, Vault Boy on. He's had Scrowner, the Martian of Generosity, from our Discord on there as well, and just kind of get a little background into who those people actually are, which is really fun. Um, so yeah, he's doing all those. Then he's also got United Archons. That's the new team that formed by Jupiter and Jupiter's podcast. Him and Blake have been doing a podcast on that. That's been solid. Wild Wormhole, come back, guys. You haven't released in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and then you hit on Archon's Corner. I mean, Key Fort is another 
personal oh, favorite. Keyboard. How can we forget about that? Well, I know how we could forget about those guys. I don't put anything out in like three months. I know, yeah. But whenever they do, <laughs> it's like fire. Whenever they drop it's something, super gold. Best produced KeyForge podcast out there. And then let's let's not leave this segment without giving shout out to our teammates, Lady Aurora, Nika Slots, who are both hosts have really great written blogs. I know. I mean, Aurora in particular is just incredibly prolific. Seems like she's got an article up every week or two at the very least, uh, covering a whole range of topics from Keyforge and occasionally other stuff as well. And then Alex has uh, Proclamation 3460. <laughs> he loves his numbers. <laughs> so he was doing the review of all the set and recently he's had Cav from yep. Archons of Atlanta uh, put out some, you know, and uh, I think only one article so far, but uh, to be fully transparent, I haven't read it yet, but everyone online says it's like essential reading for strategy. So I better get over and read that. And we always <laughs> include links to those blogs in our show notes. So check those out too. Yep. Uh, Key Chargers are also out there. It's a cool team from, I think, the Indianapolis area. And thanks to them living in the Indianapolis area, they get to attend a lot of big events. They've got a lot of recap shows about how the event went. So that's pretty cool if you like recap events about how, how people's events went. Yeah, I think we covered quite a few of them. Oh, I'll do an alternate. So I've been really getting into Rocket League lately. And Sunless Khan and Musty are like amazing YouTubers. Their videos are very well produced. Sunless Khan is hilarious. Um, and then Musty's just like kind of insane at the game and also does kind of like him playing the game, but explaining like why he's doing what he's doing. And I like that stuff a lot. So shout outs to you guys. I'm sure you'll hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next question. Keyforge formats you wished existed, but would be impossible or unmanageable for any reason. Oh, geez. That's a tough one. You know, I've always been, in the camp of people that is interested in more of like the deck building formats, whether that's like a cube draft, which I put together one pretty early on that I haven't really explored that much. So, I mean, I think something along those lines, whether it's doing that like alliance format where you can pick three different houses or uh, doing like a cube draft as like an actual sanctioned chain bound event or something like that would be really cool. Um, yeah. Like, that would be mine. I want draft. I love drafting in Magic. Magic drafting was, like, probably one of my favorite formats just because you weren't playing. Like, you're, there was a meta, but it really depended on what was opened. Like, there's kind of a basic meta, but you could, you know, there's room to be creative within that meta depending on what you open and how you built your deck. And, like, I know that's just, it's not really possible with the way Keyforge is since you're not, you know, opening packs, you're opening decks. But that's that's the one thing I, I kind of miss from my Magic days is playing playing limited. I know sealed is Keyforge's version of that, but it's you know it's not the same because you're not you're still just playing what you opened. You don't really have any say in the construction of it. But I'm all about grassroots formats. Like if people have ideas, like I, I think those should be. We should not as a community. This is getting on a soapbox a little bit. Like squash people's ideas were like oh i tried this cool variant with my friend that involved like deck building or like building singleton decks and it worked really well like let's hear those out and like not stifle creativity because <laughs> i mean 
Like Commander is one of the biggest formats in Magic, at least for casual play. Like that fundamentally changes major rules in the game. Depends on your play group. <laughs> casual. <laughs> well, I mean, I know it's not like a competitive format, but like, I mean, oh, it's a- Commander is a very competitive format. Is it? Yeah, I've played against Commander decks that were worth more than my car. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, like competitive level, like sanctioned events. Like they're not doing Commander of Pro Tours, right? No, but I mean, the people that are in that community are very competitive. For sure. I gotcha. Yeah. My point is this, like, you know, that was player driven. Now it's supported. They've got specific commander stuff. Like if if a Keyforge draft pack were to come out or something like that. Oh my goodness, that would be so Like That would be awesome. Like I would be be super excited to try something like that. Next question. How have you changed as a player? Things you used to do or believe, but now do differently or think was wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of anything specific, but I just know that I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Apparently, when you spend time in something and you like research and do podcasts and play against really top-level opponents with top-level decks constantly, it raises your own game at the same time. It's a crazy concept. Um, but yeah, I know. I was pretty trash. Um, <laughs> I went to Baltimore, Seattle. I think I went 3-3, three and three, which was decent wasn't like amazing and that's when I really got serious and that was like right before we started the podcast then yeah once I started the podcast and got the discord going I know I started just getting my face bashed in by B-Hawk and um, Alex our you know co-host they just beat my brains in until I finally realized oh this is the way I need to play and I don't like yeah I mean I can't really even pinpoint anything like I think the rewinds I did for a while on my YouTube channel were actually really helpful where I'd have B-Hawk or, well, I guess it was Alex most of the time. Alex and Blake from Help From Future Self would come on and we'd rewatch one of my games that I played on stream and just kind of walk through turn by turn and talk about what decisions I could have made. And I think that actually helped me a lot because I was just, you know, I wasn't seeing some of the lines there that like Alex or Blake would just see right away like, hey, this is the line you should take. And then we push play and I go a completely different line that was completely inefficient and not like the optimal play there. And it's like, Oh yeah, I am just like bleeding, bleeding efficiency all over the place. Sure. Yeah. That's such a cool idea too. And like an awesome tool for anyone who does have the ability to record a game on the crucible to like do that. I think Uh, that was, that was really fun to watch too, just as like a spectator to see, because a lot of times you just kind of go on autopilot, I think, a little bit, especially if it's a familiar deck. So like you like different lines you maybe don't even realize are an option until you have a different set of eyes looking at it. Uh, so that's super cool. I think this question might be like halfway engineered for to give me an opportunity to uh, recant about saying <laughs> Key Charge is a bad card early on in the podcast. That was actually episode one's OSAM. Is that seriously episode one? That's hilarious. Yeah. From the very giga, one stood against many key charge. Yeah. And I think uh, at early on, I could be like characterized as like a very rigid player uh, in, in that I had these kind of like fundamental set of ideas that I wrote articles about that I would really stick to to a fault about, you know, playing my turns out as efficiently as possible. And I think just as I've played more, I've learned, you know, more, I've been able to identify more of the moments when it is important to sort of break those general rules of efficiency, like hold a card back in your hand. And, and then I think like, 
you know, like key charge is on its face, right? It is an inefficient card just in terms of like pure resources. So I think that is a good example of that mindset, right? Like why forge a key for seven amber when you can forge it for six? Uh, yeah. But then, you know, now having played the game more. Well, I think the meta, the, the meta really shaped it too with how much capture and steel, mainly steel too back in that day, like right after that, like, I mean, that was still early. That was, you know, I think that was still before we'd had, I mean, maybe had two vault tours at that point. So we just hadn't really had a very good idea of what the super competitive meta was going to be. And it turned out to just be shadow steel all over the right. place. So if you can key charge on your turn so they can't steal your amber, uh, it, it becomes much better. Totally. And I think, yeah, and I think that just goes to playing more. Uh, you know, a situation that I thought was going to be not as common as it was that you would want to pay seven to forge a key on your turn ended up being really common. So, uh, yeah, I was wrong about that one. And probably, like, if you go back and look <laughs> at those early uh, uh, key forge tips articles, like, I would... If I was writing those today, I would probably soften it a little bit from like, you should always do this. You should never do this uh, because it, the game is incredibly nuanced, incredibly situational and being able to like leverage when to break those rules, I think, is the biggest mark of a skilled player. All right. Uh, the next two questions are last two questions from the Discord, unless more have popped in since then. Kind of both are based on our Magic the Gathering backgrounds. So since... Um, we are both confessed magic players. What are the differences between the early narrative arc of the Keyforge universe versus Magic universe, and did it matter then? Meaning, was it just a game? Does it matter now, or is the game elements greater than the narrative elements? Has your opinion of the background story changed since your Magic days? Whoa, there's a lot in there. Let me just reread this real quick. <laughs> I will answer. I I don't give any toots about the uh, background story of either game. To be honest, I am purely like, what does the card do? Um, as far as the artwork, like, I know what the artwork is at like a glance, so that I know when it's on the table what the card is. But the only thing I really know about the art is what stats that means and what abilities that card has. <laughs> they could just put a random symbol in there, and I'd be just as happy. I know that's breaking hearts out there, but uh, yeah, I'm very much just like game focus, game elements skills abilities power toughness um background story um every once in a while i'll look at the no i don't i never look at the, <laughs> the like i think too much for tech was like one of the first cards i looked at and i think i read the subline and i don't even like it would be a shame not to take it something like that and like that one was funny and i know there's a couple other funny ones that i'm just not aware of at all because it's not part of the abilities or power toughness of the cards so yeah i am very game focused yeah for me like playing magic early on i actually did read a couple of the magic novels uh as like a teenager or whatever and but that was after years and years of playing the game so it wasn't like i was drawn in by the story but what i will say is i think that the aesthetic for me, the story is just like part of the aesthetic design, right? Like these are the characters you're seeing come up on the cards. And I think for Magic, that was something that really like appealed to me as a younger kid. That there's like this like cool, like scary, kind of like edgy uh, art on the cards at that time. And that, you know, so that, that was just something that was like cool that did draw me into the game. And I think Keyforge has 
its own aesthetic pull. Like, I think that the story of the Crucible, from what we know about it at this point, is still, you know, nonsense. But, like, we have been able to pull from that, like, aesthetic to, uh, you know, create, like, the Archon voice. And, you know, our name is based on that. And we sort of, like, have pulled that, like, nightly ethereal aesthetic into this show. So I think it's important from that sense of being able to kind of connect to something beyond just mechanics in the games. Having said that, though, if the nine houses we have so far, they could be anything. And and I think it would be, <laughs> you know, pretty much the same. The important is that it's like these fun kind of uh, strange cartoony characters. And I think that appeals to a lot of people. And it also tells you kind of what, what to expect out of the game. So I guess those are my kind of wide-ranging thoughts that come out of that question prom. Perfect. All right. Um, so Beehawk, so these are just from this morning. What do you think it is about Keyforge that keeps you playing Keyforge over MTG? I just, I like the unique deck aspect. I like not playing against the same 10 meta decks over and over and over again. Um, I go, you go is kind of nice because it kind of gives you some time to relax and think. You're not having to be fully mentally in when you're having to play around instance. Um, the fact that decks are way cheaper in Keyforge, even buying like a really good deck in Keyforge is still hundreds of dollars less than um, a good magic deck. So financially, it's more viable for me to play, and especially if you're buying you know, super cheap display boxes and just pulling really good decks. Yeah, that's it for me. I like the game a little bit better. Like yeah. Just in general. Like the playing everything out of hand, no no mana screw is such a f- great feeling. I totally agree. I think for me, Keyforge is a superior design than Magic. Magic obviously is a great game, a historic game. You know, probably the most variability in Magic than there uh, than any other game, or more in Magic than any other game. So just in terms of the sheer card pool, and I think those are all great virtues of it i just had a lot of fun playing magic for many years but i think and i've said this before keyforge is kind of the game that i i wish magic had been when i was a kid like a game that really anyone can engage with so you didn't have to play red deck wins all the time right exactly uh (laughs) and it's uh it's more accessible it's easier to learn and i think it has just as much if not more strategic depth so yeah definitely like yeah magic is complex with the rules interactions the stack and all of that other stuff that goes on with it like keyforge is definitely a sleeker design but you still have a ton of depth in how to play out those turns and make your decisions all right are there any formats you liked a lot that have similarities between the two i would say modern i loved modern magic just because the decks you could build it and play it for a lot longer it wasn't quite as they wouldn't rotate out or get nerfed out of existence as often as standard decks. So you're able to build and play a deck for a longer period of time. And I mean, Keyforge so far is evergreen with the exception of Vault Warrior, if that still does occur, here's hoping. Um, <laughs> we don't have any information that it's not. I don't want to like scare no, people. No, we we just, we're just like, where's the info? There's, there's rumblings. There's rumblings yeah. around where, you know, where the first qualifiers and... But yeah, that aside, Modern feels kind of like Keyforge a little bit just because the evergreenness of the decks, like you could keep a deck together and play it for a while. And it just feels like in the Modern format, there was more than 10, 
you know, <laughs> decks. You could face some random weird deck and or you could build a random weird deck and be okay in that format. Yeah, I, I was always, and this goes back to the fact that I didn't have the budget to build top tier decks in all formats. So I was always a better uh, sealed and draft player than I was in constructed formats. So those were my favorite magic formats. And I think that uh, in, in particular, sealed where you just get six packs build the best deck that you can out of them and go and play a tournament with that has a lot of similarities to what you're doing in a sealed um keyforge tournament especially if it's you know pick get three pick one type of things so you're doing that evaluation and then you're just taking this new deck and trying to pilot it to the best of your ability i'm trying to think of the right words to phrase this like there's a it's a different skill set between learning like to proficiently and mastery over one specific deck to being able to pick up any deck and play it well it's like more of like a generalist skill that i've always prized in my magic days and i still think uh, even though i'm probably not as good at sealed <laughs> keyforge as i was at magic back in the day uh, it's still like a skill set that i think is really fun to sort of flex that muscle has anything about keyforge made you go back to mtg or hearthstone and think about those games differently um, for me, I've actually been playing a little bit of Hearthstone just because you can play it on mobile. I've kind of gotten sucked back into playing Wild again. I, again, I like the formats where the card pools are larger and you're just able to face a different set of decks and play more powerful decks. Um, I don't know. I just I just think in general, just like play, play skill in a card game just by playing a bunch of Keyforge. I mean, can't really pinpoint anything, but I feel like my decision making is better in Hearthstone. I'm able to wait and set up different combos better. I just try to go for the most efficient play. I just feel like I'm better at reading that now than I was back in the day where I was just playing out cards to play cards. For me, I actually, I mean, I honestly haven't played Magic in like four years now. Like, a, you know, when I just, the last tournament I went to, I didn't really make an intentional decision that this would be the last magic i'd ever play and i mean i would probably still if my friend tonight was like hey it's got a booster box of magic cards are gonna draft you want to come like i totally would uh so i'm not like saying like magic's terrible i'm never gonna play again or i've sworn it off i just haven't had that opportunity and the situation hasn't arisen um i've played a little bit of hearthstone but really just mostly the battlegrounds than the dra- like the two-player dueling variant so I don't know. I guess I guess nothing about Keyforge has made me want to go back and revisit those games. If anything, <laughs> it's just made me want to play more Keyforge. Uh, I can just play it on my phone. Bring on the mobile app for Keyforge, and I won't have to play Hearthstone anymore. But <laughs> no, it's it's easy to play while holding a baby and giving him a bottle or something. All right, um, and that's it for Beehawk. We had a couple more come in. How does one grow such a great beard? We need the love and support of a willing partner to allow you to get through those early awkward stages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it literally happened when we were engaged. My wife was, well, my fiance at the time, my wife now was sick for about a week and she, t- she forbade me from seeing her since she was sick. And so I just went a whole week without shaving. And then finally she told me one day, she's like, Hey, you can stop over after work if you want. And like, I had about a week's worth of growth and she's like, Oh, I actually kind of like that. It's kind of rugged. I was like, okay. So it was like 10 years ago now. So I've been rocking this thing for about 10 years. I've had to shave it off a couple of times for different jobs, but it always comes back bigger and better than ever. 
Um, will you be my Valentine? Yes, Sky Jedi, I will be your Valentine. <laughs> uh, How do you know that's not to me? Uh, because I asked the question. I don't know. Will you be his Valentine too, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. No kissy noise. Come on, man. Uh, what are your favorite video board games outside of KeyForge? What's that like? Video games and board, board game? games. Video game or board game? Yeah. My favorite video game of all time is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I have. I'm like harboring like a mild addiction. Like I need help. <laughs> uh, so that you know, if I have 15 minutes to kill. I'm generally popping on there playing some matches online. Uh, my favorite board game of all time, and actually, I'm gonna a plug. I'm right now. I'm writing an article about my top ten board games, uh, which will feature one two-player dueling card game. But you'll have to read the article to find out which one. I'm working on that now, so I'll post. It should be done by the time this comes out. So I'll post the link in the show notes. But I'll give away the number one game. It's Castles of Burgundy by Stefan Feld. This is just like, it's a classic Euro point salad game. But for me, it just hits all the right notes, like the right balance between luck and skill, uh, the right length of time, the right uh, amount of decision points, like the right amount of information to process and parse through with, without being totally overwhelming or an understandable puzzle. Uh, I just love it, and it's a game I, I always have fun. I will go back to over and over and over again. Nice. Uh, favorite video game right now is Rocket League. I've really gotten sucked into that. Um, my gaming mantra is I like to get really good at a game, and then I move on. And Rocket League is a game that I'll be, <laughs> I'll be playing for a while. It is a very high skill sailing. Um, it feels so good when you start, like, when you practice for hours on different moves and different, you know, striking of the ball, aerial maneuvers, and then you're in a game and you actually hit one of those where you do a sweet self-pass, double tap, flip reset. I mean, all that fun stuff that, you know, like I'm not able to do yet that I'm still learning and training. And yeah, I like to do that. I like to play that game a lot. Um, free play is a mode in it where it's literally just you and the ball in the field. And like, I'll sit there if I've got like 10 minutes to kill and just hit it around the field a little bit and just work on reading the ball off the walls and just controlling my car. So Rocket League's a big one. Board gaming, I don't get a play board games <laughs> that often um i don't know if i had to I, maybe like seven wonders i always like that game when i get to play it seven wonders it's drafting and i had a friend in college slash adult life that pretty much had all the expansions all the special boards and everything so every time we got together we'd play it with all the expansions and everything and it was pretty sweet so i'll throw that one out as my board game because i like that one a lot that's the only one that really pops into my head um, would you rather fight one tonk sized dust pixie or a hundred dust pixie sized tonks? Definitely the latter, I think. A tonk sized dust pixie? That's just like that seems like for sure death. <laughs> the other one's like I don't know, it still know. might be squishy. Like do the hundred dust pixie sized tonks do they self heal each other as they charge at you? I feel like a dust pixie my my logic here is like a dust pixie at like human size is like gonna be stronger than the human because it can fly and like has magic of some sort so like a bigger like than human flying monster no thanks what's your favorite game mechanic ever my favorite game mechanic ever is 
card drawing. <laughs> like drawing <laughs> drawing a card from a deck will never ever get old to me. I, I think I'm in the same boat. I was gonna I was actually gonna say like the whole uh Keyforge like refill your hand at the end of turn, so it's you know, it encourages you to play lots of cards, like that kind of cycle. I really like that as opposed to the draw one at the end of your turn where you can limit your own resources if you're playing too many cards. Like it rewards efficient plays rather than punishing punishing you for playing out a bunch of cards. I'm trying to go like lightning round here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes, there's bread on either side of it. I say no next. <laughs> What's the best thing about where you live? Uh, Mount Rainier in my backyard. Like uh, Discord, I, every once in a while, there'll be a sweet sunrise. It rises right over Mount Rainier there. Really pretty. Very fortunate to live this close and to see it. If it ever blows, though, it was nice knowing you all. <laughs> uh, I love the people here. It's really great cost of living, and there's so much to do. Uh, if all the houses of Keyforge were entered into a March Madness-style bracket and had to field a team to play basketball from their creatures, who's taking home the W at the end of the day? Robnar. They're huge. That's true. I, my gut reaction is, like, untamed. Because you got, like, flying and speed, which seems really good in basketball. Like, flying is OP in basketball. Fair. I guess we swat them out of the sky, though. I don't know. All right, uh, Todd Williamson on Facebook. Brad calls you up and says the dev team is out of new house ideas and wants one from you. What's your suggested house theme and a related mechanic? I want necromancers. I've always loved playing kind of like dredge, like stuff where you're just fishing stuff back out of your discard. I this kind of does that already, but just something that really goes in hard on that with like just creatures that bring back other creatures from the graveyard, just that kind of stuff, just zombies and yeah, they just keep coming back. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I want um maybe like dwarven tinkerers or something like that, with the mechanic being that uh like omni discard. So like a a house that could be like truly transparent in your deck. You know, like very small of play effects, but you know, like just just being able to tweak things just a little bit, but you know, you can always get rid of it. I think that would be a really fun place to play around. All right, Paul DeStefano, I'm one of your Patreon supporters. Thank you, Paul. I am a serious but casual player. The more I play and learn about Keyforge, the more I believe that a very important decision is the very first decision to mulligan or not. What hands to mulligan away? I realize this is a vast topic, but one that a task force headed by Lady Aurora or Lady Kafina might take up both to help competitive and casual players. Yeah, that is a meaty topic. We might have to do like another topic, another episode sometime on just kind of game well not game basics but like basics to advanced concepts but um my really quick take on mulliganing is you really have to know your deck you have to know what your deck's looking for um b-hawk has espoused a, a method of always keeping a hand that has four house cards from the same house and so i've been trying that a little bit too and it does seem to work really well when you play four four cards out of your hand on your first turn if you're a second player or if you just play one and play three more, then it's thinned your deck from that house quite a bit. So the rest of your deck is the other two houses. Even if those four maybe aren't the cards you exactly want at the beginning of the game, it can be pretty helpful just playing that many that early. So usually, yeah, know what your deck wants. Don't I mean, you don't want like Miasma turn one. You don't want Gateway to just turn one unless your opponent's deck is like super creature heavy and you're worried about it. But stuff like that, you just kind of got to know what cards you need and when you need them. Yep. And I, I wrote... Uh an article about this on uh, when to mulligan 
early on. And I think that actually holds up pretty well. But the main thing is just if your hand isn't obviously really strong, if you look at your hand, you're like, this isn't really strong. Like you probably want to defer to mulligan in those cases because the punishment for mulliganing in Keyforge is so small, the non-existent, even when you're on the draw. My opinion. Correct. Todd Williamson, what is your biggest deck selling regret? Something you wish you knew now, how good it was or would be due to meta changes. Cygnosphere, I want the honorable chief or the charitable medic chief of Langrary back. If you're out there, Cygnosphere, hit me up. Um, if, you're, <laughs> if you're willing to give this one back to me. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Ugh. This one like pains me. Like this, this thing was so good, and I tried to sell it, and the guy that originally won the auction flaked out, and it was like a sign, Dan, you shouldn't get rid of this deck. And then Signosphere is like, hey, I was bidding on that deck, I topped out at this amount. Would you take that amount for it? I was like, sure. And now I'm kicking myself. This was a triple mother time traveler deck with double arise, double charrette, trumble, restrain guntis, shuler, snudge. What was I thinking? Like, this deck was fire. It has Brobnar, Double Anger, Smith, Cannon, Gauntlet of Command, Mighty Javelin, Double Fire Spitter, Double Smash, Tireless Crokeg. <sighs> yeah, I can't believe I sold it. So, Cygnosphere, if you do have it, hit me up, dude. <laughs> if it's still in your collection, I see that it doesn't have any chains on it. I, I check every once in a while, but that was that's the <laughs> one I kicked myself for. Like, I don't know what I was thinking selling that deck. Like, and looking at it now, like I love triple mother decks now, and a triple mother with a time traveler is just nutty. Uh, I've never sold any of my decks because I'm lazy. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, I have bought a couple of decks that I regretted. Just nothing like too crazy amount, but there've been a couple of, like ten or twelve dollar decks that I've bought and then just didn't really get much value out of because i didn't think it was fun or wasn't as good as i had hoped right. how do you think set strength will look like after mass mutation will coda find itself down the power rankings with aoa no i think we're just seeing different decks be good from coda now it's like steel heavy decks aren't quite as good because of things like odiac and gargantadon just ways of preventing stealing are out there enough and a lot of those steel heavy decks didn't have a great way to control the board so once those creatures kind of landed they were super hard to remove and it just kind of shuts them down I've been having a lot of success with Coda decks that don't have shadows against Worlds Collide, just because it doesn't. They didn't rely on stealing. They're still efficient in what they're doing, but they have other ways of pulling people off, um, like Effervescent Principle and different stuff like that. I just think we're going to see different decks start to kind of come into the light that maybe couldn't match the efficiency of the steel-heavy Coda. And AOA yep. has actually been doing well recently too. See our last episode with Dale. From Noah, yeah. There. So I just, I, mean, I think, book... oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, good. I just think the meta is just changing. It's slowing down a little bit. So it's making AOA more viable because AOA just was not as efficient as the steel heavy coda. But if you get rid of all the steel heavy coda, all of a sudden AOA actually matches up pretty well against a slightly slower Worlds Collide meta where they're not focused as much on stealing. Like capturing is really good and Abed captures well. There's just a bunch of stuff that captures really well in AOA. Yeah, I mean, this question is really asking us to look into the crystal ball. It's really hard to say without knowing anything about the set, uh, besides the few spoilers we've got. If I had to predict, I would say that FFG has learned their lesson from Age of Ascension and are going to continue the power creep a little bit. But I don't think 
Coda will ever be down with AOA. It's just too powerful in terms of efficiency. But I wouldn't be shocked if down the line we say Worlds Collide and Mass Mutation are one, two, uh, Coda is three, and AOA is a distant fourth. But of course, that's just a wild prediction. All right, last two questions we got we got there. These are from Twitter. So Jacob Chapman, if you're given a Keyforge display on January 1st and have to only play those decks for an entire year, how would you open that display? Oh, I would be so sad. I'm such a magpie Keyforger. Like, I like playing so many different decks. I, I mean, I'd probably just rip them all open right away. Like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to meet them out because there's definitely going to be decks I'm going to open that I'm not going to want to play at all for the most part, probably unless they're so bad that I can reversal with them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to crack them all open like day one. Yeah, I don't know. I might try and parcel them out like one a month or something and just play with it and see how that goes. But I think that I would probably break down when I open something that was just really unbearably bad to play with. And then I would just start digging. So I would say I would try to parcel them out, but ultimately give up somewhere around March. Uh, how would you play the decks? So, I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably play the more powerful ones more often, and most of them would be on TCO, because uh, that's where most of my play comes from. I mean, if I only had 12 decks to play, I mean, I probably would end up playing all of them. Maybe I'd try to get them all to like 10 games or something like that. That's what I did when I first started playing Keyforge. Um, I tried to play every single deck I got to 10 games just to kind of get a feel for it to see if it was good because this was before I was really able to evaluate what was good and what wasn't good. That was in the early days of ADHD. Uh, <laughs> Decks of Keyforge was just becoming a thing towards the end of that. So, I mean, there wasn't really like a true ranking system. I mean, there was ranking systems, but they weren't super tuned in yet. So you still just kind of had to play stuff and figure it out. Yep, I would do exactly that. I would try and play them all 10 times at the very least. And then after that, play the ones I enjoyed more. Yep. Following a preview of the new set, uh, this is from Matthew Duffy. Uh, I'm struck by, one, how fun, and two, how increasingly complicated Keyforge will become. As an experienced player, this is great, but how will this trend affect the growth of Keyforge? New players face a huge learning curve, potentially keeping them away. I mean, yes and no. I mean, we, we've made the reference back to Magic. Magic is doing just fine. It's still pulling in new players, and it is super complex and deep. There are so many mechanics. I mean, it is a true deep end, and I mean, it'll take Keyforge a long time to... A long time, if ever. Like, I don't know if they'll ever catch up to Magic with the level of complexity and depth there. So, I mean, the actual game mechanics, like Ward, Exalt, Taunt elusive like there's just not that many like core core mechanics so it's not really as complicated i mean the abilities and the way those kind of stack can kind of get pretty crazy but as far as just like core understanding like this is what this card does and understanding that i think keyforge is actually in a really good place still for new players it's just figuring out the strategy of how to make the best use of that that's going to get more complex which is fine in my opinion yeah i i think I think so. I, I think they're being smart about not adding new mechanics in Mass Mutations. I think they're intentionally trying to make sure this game remains more accessible than Magic for that very important competitive advantage in the market. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I will say one thing I've been kind of surprised by is I've always been wanting like more complexity, more interesting decision space, and it kind of felt like that was lacking in Coda. But recently, I've sort of found myself like missing to some extent uh, the the hidden depth of of 
co- early days of Coda, where it seemed like all the decisions were easy, but really they weren't. Like really, there was so much more under the surface, where the World's Collide decks are just so much more in your face about it. Uh, <laughs> I, which is, I don't know. Dinos with exalt abilities that are going to wreck you unless you can remove them. Well, that's not what I mean. I mean, I mean, like, just like, like playing out your cards, like the decisions inherent in the sequencing, and like even a, like, exalt as a mechanic. Uh, it, it much more obviously difficult decisions, and I'm still trying to figure out the right way to say this, but I think there's something nice about like how accessible and like how limited the decision space in Coda is at first glance until you discover more. Like I think that was like a really cool trick that the designers kind of pulled on all of us all right i think we did it i thought there was one more question here here's the question i don't know if we want to answer this or not it says i see people dropping in and out of all games it just goes to the territory sometimes life money time all get in the way what is the closest you guys ever came to giving up keyforge have you ever considered it what would push you away it's kind of a sad one to end on though <laughs> it is i guess but it's fine we can spin it out there um, I, so like this Christmas season, I was super busy with just family, friends, travel. Um, so I really didn't end up playing a whole lot. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really didn't play much in like December, January. Um, and like, I kind of missed it, but at the same time I was just so busy, I couldn't really miss it. Um, I found that I get more jazzed about Keyforge when I get to play in real life, like that juices up my batteries again. But since I don't get to play in real life very much, a lot of times my batteries are waning. Um, so yeah, I mean, mainly it's that. Like, it's just the stage in life I'm in right now, and with the two small children, that I just don't get to go out and play in real life, and that's fine. I have TCO. I've got the Discord. I'm still. I'm getting. I'm not playing as much as I was maybe like six months ago. I'm a little more spread out between Keyforge and Rocket League. But uh, I'm still enjoying when I do get to play. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the people I'm playing with. So yeah, I mean, I don't know that I've gotten close to like quitting the game. Like the nice thing about Keyforge is the evergreen nature. The decks aren't like, you know, it's pretty easy to stay in the game. I do have plenty of chain bounds and different events going on around me. Seattle's kind of a hotbed. So I mean, if I do get to the point where the kids get a little bit older or they can start going with me and that kind of thing, then I probably the game's still going at that point hopefully hopefully it's so i can start going out a little more often and just really juicing up those keyforge batteries yep i think for me like the last time i play keyforge it'll be like like with magic you know it, i won't realize it at the time uh but that i've just at that point will have had drifted to different priorities and hopefully that won't be for a long time but like you i mean different things come up and it, it can be you know, difficult to track everything at once. I think something that might cause it would be just the availability of competitive Archon events. A lot of our events around St. Louis, like all our primes have been sealed. I find myself like you playing the game the most when I'm preparing for an Archon event. I can really practice with decks. I want to explore what decks to use. But if, if all the big events are sealed, then there's not I mean, there's still things you can do to practice, but it's not going to get me to jump onto the Crucible Online competitive room in the same way as when I'm preparing for a competitive Archon event. So I hope that, you know, uh, a good amount of our Premier Play events near me continue to be in the Archon variety. Here, here. 
All right, so here's the last, last question. Ready for it? Yep. James Aronson says, if you could have one creature from the Crucible as a guest on the podcast, which would it be? I still got to stick with my buddy Ronnie. Me and Ronnie, we go way back. We go way back to the early AOA days. We've been buds. I think he'd be pretty funny. He's probably got some hijinks. He could probably, he's probably got pretty good humor. Yeah, he's steal the shirt off your bag, this guy. And like, he'll do it with a smile on his face. And I'll be happy just to have gotten to interact with him. And, you know, maybe I'll let him steal my Sanctimonious shirt so he can wear that around the Crucible. That's pretty great. I'm going to actually go same house, but different character. How could you pass Merkins. up an opportunity to spend an hour with Rad Penny? Ah, oh, dang it. I thought you were with Merkins. He seems like your kind of guy standing at the bar with a little martini in hand. Yeah, I would like Merkins, too. <laughs> Merkins doesn't like you, though. We've established this. <laughs> Merkins for me, Rad Penny for our audience. You know, that, that would yeah. be good content. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, you can find me. I'm Dan is someone D A N I S S O M E one. That's on Twitter, Twitch, and the Discord. Jake, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Freed, J A K E F R Y D. I also have a blog, Chicken Fried Games, uh, which I'll link here, and that's where you can find my top ten board games of all time. Of all time. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for the questions. That was a lot of fun. Um, now, we're sad that Alec couldn't be here, but it's probably a good thing because this already went long. <laughs> a third person would have never gotten through them all. But yeah, we'll maybe do this again in the future. It's pretty fun. Uh, it was like, really fun. Yeah, six, eight months from now, we'll maybe revisit this. And yeah, thank you, Paul, for the mulliganing question. Maybe we will go back and do kind of like another um, kind of Keyforge-focused kind of I don't know, strategy of Keyforge kind of episode and go more in depth on that. So yeah. Thank you everybody for the questions. Thank you for all your support. It has been an amazing almost year of doing this. The community is amazing. So thank you all. I've tried some other discord servers for some other games, rocket league, and they are so toxic. So I am so thankful for the sanctimonious and the other Keyforge discords too. Like I have not seen that kind of toxicity within a Keyforge discord server that i've seen in like two days and rocket league servers so good job keyforge community you guys are amazing all right stick time i saved one last drop of coffee for this archons of the crucible almost a year has gone by and our knights are still here still casting still bringing noise to your ears hopefully it only gets better from here and remember forge those keys gonna get a little technical but like if you fly the ball up over the rim and drop it straight down there's nothing you can do that's goaltending